Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. lady in our church years ago, or a couple years ago, I should say, that, uh, that every, I would, I, I, she had a fight with cancer. And it's amazing how I remember her now and how that, uh, that she comes to my mind at, at the most uh, weird times, I would say. Like sometimes I'm in the gym and all of a sudden I will think of her, and her name is Rhonda uh, Sidlinger, by the way, this is her picture, is... Uh, I would think about her, and I, I would be in the mall or something, and I would think about her, and the reason is because she had a life song, and her life song was called the fight song, and I never will forget, she, uh, she said, you know, this is my song, and so it, was, it sounds like this, it said this, this is the lyrics, it says, this is my fight song, take my life back song, prove I'm all right song, my power turned on, start right now, I'll be strong. I, pl- I play my fight song, and I don't really care if anybody else believes because I still got a lot of fight left in me. And that was her song, and I never will forget that. It was amazing. And so I would think about her in these different times, and I think the Bible, God gives us verses in the Bible that we actually need to pay attention to and make them part of our daily lives and sort of our song. And so I want to give you one of those verses today that's found in Philippians and it says this, look what it says. Philippians 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, what? Rejoice, Rejoice. that's right. And look what he's underlined here. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let's read those last four words, you ready? Come on. The Lord is near, the Lord is near, that's right, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which... Which, look at them, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what he's saying to you is this. What he's saying is that, you know, we need a song. We need something that we can put in our hearts to hold on to. And this verse is that. And so what, what I want to tell you is that if you don't have a song, your emotions, when, it, when fear comes in, when fearful times come in, your emotions will be supercharged with the emotion of fear. And then you will have a song. You know what your song will be? Oh, freak out! <laughs> That's going to be your song, is freak out. And, and so, you know, Rhonda had chosen her song to be the song of the fight song, but fear makes us have the song of freak out. And so this morning, as, as we talk, I want to try to help you with the day, and, and as I'm trying to learn this myself, is that we have to understand the Scripture. And what the Scripture says, let your gentleness be evident at all. What was he saying there? He was saying that you're going to be calm. Then when the storms come and the, and the fearful situations try to invade your life, you're going to be calm. And the reason that you're going to be calm is because the last part of that verse says, the Lord is near. When you understand that the Lord is near, then your fear will begin to subside. And so what I want to do is I want to teach you a fight song today. 
a fear fight song is what we're going to call it, right? And, uh, and so it's coming up on the screen, and here's the first line of that. It's a Jeff song, so I want you to say it with me. Ready? Come on, you ready? I will not live in fear because the Lord is near. I will not live in fear because the Lord is near. That's your fear fight song. That's what the Bible is saying, that when, when fear is beginning to come in, anxiety is beginning to overwhelm you, because it will come, it's so that if you can learn this, I will not fear because the Lord is near. Now, if you want to make it a song, you can do that, and it would sound, you know, like me. I Sometimes I'll say, I will not fear because the Lord is near. You don't want me to do that again, do you? No, I'm... I'm going to get them to turn the lights up a little bit where I can see a little bit more because I can't see your faces. But yes, we want you to understand that, that, you know, I will not fear because the Lord is near. Now, I want to give you four things today that I think are going to help you. These four things that, uh, that I'm going to share with you today are, are things that I really believe that are going to take your life up and help you deal with fear. Are you ready? So I have this title on your outline. It says this. How to win the internal battle of fear. And what I like to share these four things with you. So the first one is this. You ready? Number one is that let your fear be a warning that your thoughts are drifting off God. Let your fear be a warning that your thoughts are drifting off God. So fear is to be a warning light, right? We said earlier that fear is the one that when fear comes, it means, it means okay, I've got to do something or something's happening. And so we want it to be a warning light. Now, I was privileged to go with one of our members to, his name's David Holly. He's, an air, uh, he's a manager over at the Air Traffic Control Center in Hampton, Georgia. And I was able to, uh, to go with him last week and do a tour through, the, uh, through his facility. Now, I'm pretty interested in that because I, I fly occasionally. And, and, you know, I'm one of those guys that walk on the airplane. I check the airplane out. You know, like, hey, I'm, I'm scoping the pilot out. I'm looking what he's looking like. You know, if I get close enough to him, I'm going to smell his breath. I want to know if he's drinking, right? <laughs> so I want to know. And, and so anyways, I've been very curious of that. And so David takes me on this tour uh, of the facility there. And when I go, I start noticing all these screens. It looks like this, this picture that's coming up. I, I notice these screens and that how all these little dots represent these airplanes. And he explained to me that not only do the uh, air tra- not only do the, does the pilot have a path that he has to fly on and a program, but they also are tracking them as well. And if the pilot begins to get off of that track, then there's warning systems that go off on the plane. But also with them, there's warning systems. Matter of fact, they, when, when they uh, have a plane that they're tracking through a storm, they, they put a circle around it that's an indicator of a five-mile barrier that nothing comes between five miles. And they, this, this machine is more important in storms than any other time so they can track the airplanes. And so what it is, he said, this warning says they're getting off track. And so they know to get them back on track. And what I want to tell you is that in the storms of your life, it's more important than anything else for you to let, that, let fear just become a warning that, hey, my eyes are getting off Jesus. Amen? And so because if you don't, in those moments, you're going to be afraid. Look what the Bible says about this. I love this verse here, Isaiah 23 and 6. It says this, you, talking about God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Now, let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's right. So notice that. You've got to fix your thoughts on Jesus. If, if you're, The devil knows that if he can get your mind off Jesus, he's got you. Because you get scared to death. You become anxious. You become fearful. And when you're fearful and anxious, you'll do stupid things, right? And so will I. And so that's his, uh, his objective is to get our eyes off of Jesus. 
And so remember that, that when fear starts happening to you, anxiety, you just remember it's a warning light that my eyes are drifting off of Jesus, all right? So you remember our fear fight song? You remember that? Okay, let's see if we can say it together. You ready? Come on. I will not fear because the Lord is near. That's right. That's our fear fight song, and you have to remember that. So the second thing I would tell you is this. If we're going to win this battle, uh, internal battle of fear, is this. Would you write, uh, write this down? Here we go. Recognize the power. That's the word, power. Recognize the power of Jesus is available with the presence of Jesus. Now this is so key because I think that we forget this. We're just so used to living in this fleshly world, we forget about the power of Jesus. Now, as I, I want you to look at this verse uh, that's under there, Matthew 1 and 23, and notice what the prophet said about Jesus. It said this, The virgin will be, will be with child, talking about Mary, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. So would you agree with me? That when Jesus was on planet earth, when he lived, those 33 and a half years, when he lived, that the presence of God was with Jesus. Would you agree with that? That the presence of God was there. And so what I want to tell you is this, is that many times because we don't see the physical Jesus, we forget about the presence of God, right? But what I want to tell you is that Jesus left us his spirit. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And when you ask Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. So the spirit is with you. Now, here's what I want to tell you. There's a symbol for the Spirit that Jesus gave that you can remember and I can remember to remind you that he's with us, and that is the wind. The wind, Jesus gave, said, that when you think about the Holy Spirit, I want you to think about the wind. Why? Because you can't see the wind, you only feel its effect, right? Like, like this young lady, you know, she's enjoying this breeze right now. The, hair, the wind is blowing and, and it's blowing her hair. I don't know what that feels like. I have no clue. It's been a long time, right? And, and so, but I can tell you, when you don't have hair, you feel every breeze. When you don't have, I'm serious, like a lot of people, they're wearing, I wear a hat all the time. They're like, Jeff, you wear those little derby hats all the time. Yes, I do. Because, listen, when you're bald-headed, your head gets cold. That's right. And you know what, the, you know what, rain is the same temperature in January and July. It's 33 degrees. When it hits you on top of the head, it's freezing, you know. And so, but I can tell you that right, like right now, I can feel there's a breeze coming right off the back of my head right now. I can just feel it. But what that reminds me of, every time I feel the wind, and every time you feel the wind, I hope from this point on that you'll be reminded of the presence of God because the Holy Spirit is like the wind. And, you know, and, and here's the thing about the wind. The wind can be, you know, this gentle breeze that I'm feeling right now is actually comfortable. It makes me feel, you know, pretty comfortable. I'm not hot. But, you know, there's power in the wind as well, right? I mean, that, like, it, it can double over palm trees, right? I mean, the wind can do some amazing things. It's powerful, like a, a tornado or, or a hurricane. I mean, those winds are very strong. And I want you to know this, that when you've got the presence of God, the power of God is available as well. Did you hear that? So, so, when, so when, you, when, you're, when you're remembering, when your warning light goes on, all of a sudden you remember that the power of God comes with the presence of God. That, it, that the Holy Spirit's inside of me, He's living inside of me, and every time that you feel the wind outside, it should remind you of what's living inside of you, and, and it feels gentle and good. But when, when need be, God can speak, and that Holy Spirit can become as powerful as a hurricane or a tornado in whichever situation needs to move in your life. God's got the power, amen? He's got the power. Yes, He does. He's got the power. Now, now listen. 
The problem again is, is that we forget. Like most of us sitting in this room, most of us, not all of us, but most of us sitting in this room, we do believe the presence of God is with us. Don't most of you believe that? I mean, you believe that the presence of God, you know, that God's in my life. He sees everything. He's all around. Most of us believe that. But the problem is we believe in the presence of God, but we forget about the power of God. Amen? Now, now watch this. This is not just our problem. This has probably been going on long. Ever since Jesus stepped his foot on earth, this has been going on. Now, he had some disciples, you know, followers that were with him constantly. And we see them react in a story in the Bible. It's called the feeding of the 5,000, all right? So here's, here's a picture that, that sort of helped you get the picture. But the feeding of the 5,000 in the Bible. And, and what happened is, is that this crowd is gathered and, and it's time to eat. And, and so the, the disciples said, hey, listen, it's getting late. And they said, you know, maybe you want to send them away, but, but we've got two fish and we've got five loaves of bread here, so, so maybe we need to do something. And notice what they say, Jesus. They start telling Jesus what to do. Remember, they see the presence of Jesus, but they're forgetting about the power of Jesus. So look what they say to do. Here's what it says. In Matthew 14, it says this, that even the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy food for who? Notice what they said. They just told Jesus, listen, this is how you saw this, Jesus. Listen, here's the problem. But listen, listen to us, Jesus. Listen to Jesus, you listen to us right now, right? We got this. You send them away. Now notice what another disciple said. Notice what he said. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. You see that? Now that <laughs> you see how that happened all of a sudden? Well, why, why would all of a sudden these guys who have, who have followed Jesus all of a sudden get concerned? Well, all of a sudden, the, you know, it, they're getting hungry. Men are, the disciples are getting hungry. They know the crowd's getting hungry. And they said, you know what? Why don't you just send them away? Uh, we don't have enough for them. We got two fish here, and we got five loaves of bread. So the answer is send them away. That's all they could think about. Why? Because the crowd was beginning to get hungry. And they thought, I'm sure, that if we take these two fish and these five pieces of bread and we make a sandwich right here in front of them, they're going to get upset. Look, look at them. They're hungry, right? Look at them. They're starving to death. They're hungry too. And listen, Jesus, we're not going to fight. And if, you, if we eat in front of these people, there's going to be a fight. I know these, these are some of my cousins out here. I know. Right? Some of your family too, right? You know, uh-uh. It's, going, it's on. On like Donkey Kong, right? And so, Jesus, we need to do something. And so they began to, to go through all of those things of what they cannot, cannot do. Now, what the problem is, is that they forgot. See, they had been with Jesus, and they had seen miracles. They, they seen Jesus in the middle of a storm. They were on a boat, and a storm come up, a hurricane-like storm come up while they were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and, and they were, thought they were going to die right there, and they cried out to Jesus. He comes up and said, Peace be still. And all of a sudden, the wind stopped blowing, and the waves be quit to rolling. Wasn't that amazing? They saw that. Not only that, but Peter, his mother-in-law, one of Jesus' followers, when his mother-in-law was sick, and Jesus just walks right into where she's at. She's burned up with fever. He walks in and just says, be healed. And she gets up out of the bed. She's well. Now, maybe Peter's still mad at him for doing that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> See, some of you are going to wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, yes, got that. Okay, yes. Not only, not only do that, but also there was a man that was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move. And they watched Jesus go over and take his hand, and he got up, and he was able to move. He healed him completely. He was able to live a normal life. Not only that, they had already seen 
They had already seen Jesus walk into a, a, a person's house. Their daughter was dead. I mean, like she was, they were ready, preparing her funeral. She had already died, and the mourners were around. They were, they were ready to take her body to the, to the grave. And Jesus walks in, and he heals the little girl and calls life to come back in her body. They had seen all of these things. And here he is, the same Jesus is standing right there. You see, it's real easy. They saw the presence of Jesus, but they forgot about the power of Jesus. And many of us sitting in this room right now, see, we believe in the presence of Jesus, but we forget about the power of Jesus. And so what I want to tell you today is that I want to challenge you to remember that because in your times of anxiety and in that time of fear, if you can just remember that, remember what we said, you know, I will not live in fear because the what? The Lord is near, right? And if you can remember that, all of a sudden, not only is he near, but the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit, remains, means the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And he's got the power. And those disciples standing right there forgot that he had the power. Isn't that amazing? You can see all kinds of miracles. You can hear all kinds of stories of what Jesus has done. And yet, it sounds great then, but when you're in trouble, he becomes a weakling. Why is it that your problem causes him to have kryptonite? Why, why is it that he loses his power when you've got a problem? When everybody else has got a problem, oh, he's a healer, he's a way maker, he's a deliverer, he's a great God, he's it, oh, yes, he is. But when you've got a problem, yeah, well, he, well. Come on, isn't that the truth? Oh, well, he did it. For, well, I don't know. And all that, that's what the devil gets you to, to do is start doubting. So let's say our fight song one more time, our fear fight song. Let's say it again together. You ready? Come on. I will not fear because the Lord is He's near. The third thing I would say to you is this. How are you going to win this battle of internal fear? Here it is. Is that ask Jesus for help. Ask Him for help. Here it was again at this feeding of the 5,000. All this power... Everything that they had seen before, everything, these disciples, everything they'd seen before was standing right there with them, but they, they saw the presence of Jesus, but they could not imagine the power of Jesus anymore. They forgot about it in that moment of fear. And so what I would say to you is this, is that, you know, the first thing that comes to our mind when we have a problem, when we have a problem, is we start thinking about lack, don't we? We like, we start thinking about what we don't have, Right? what we don't have, and what we, can, what we can't buy, what we can't afford. We start thinking about lack. And that's exactly what they said. You know what they said? They said, well, we don't have the money and we don't have the food. Isn't that what they said? We don't have it. All of a sudden, they started thinking about lack. Instead of looking at the power source right there, the man that could do anything, all of a sudden, they started looking at their lack. And when, listen, when you start thinking about your lack, you'll become slack in your faith. Amen? All right, that was a good one right there. I'll write that down myself. So when we start talking about our fears, when we start talking about our fears, we start talking about what we can't do. We start talking about what we can't do and what we don't have. Well, I can't do that, and I don't have this. Well, if I just had what they had, then I'd be all right, you know. And, if, Lord, I can't do that, Lord. If I had the ability they could do, they had, then I could do this. And we start thinking about what we can't do and what we don't have. You see, the problem is this. We only start thinking about the common stuff. And so, you know what the disciples did? They come up with their own plan. 
since they forgot, they saw the presence of Jesus, but they forgot about the power. So they said, here, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now, here's what we're going to do now. Now, listen, you just send them away right now. You just tell them to go, go home. That's what you're going to do. That is, that's the common thing to do. They know we can't feed all these people. So you tell them to go home right now. And, Lord, you know we don't have the money, so just send them home. How many of you told God what to do? Don't raise your hands. I've given God a four-step plan. Now, Lord, if you do this, this, and this, and this, it'll work out all right. Now, go ahead, God. Now, come on, God, get with it. Come on, you go. I got the plan, you go. You ever done that? On my mind. Lord, if you just do this, if you just do it, here it is. Now, here's what you've got to do. Now, you just send them away, and, and I've got a plan, and you've got a plan as well. And we're always telling God, you just do this. But I'm telling you, God's got a plan, right? And see, we only think about the common, but God's thinking about the uncommon. You see, we, we want to settle for what's common. You know, what can be explained away. You know, that's humanly possible. And feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish is not humanly possible. And we begin to say the things like that. What I want to tell you is we begin to ask. Now, I uh, read a story this week um, in his book called The Dance of Hope. Bill Frey wrote about this. He actually lived in Georgia. And he said when he was a little boy, part of his job was is that he was the guy that was in his family that would collect firewood. He was, that was one of his chores. And so his job was to go out and do that. And he said, but in their day, he said, you know, we had, to, we had to collect the stuff to start the fire as well. He said they didn't have match light. And so they would go and they would get these old pine, uh, pine stumps where a tree had fallen down. There was a pine stump that was still in the ground. And they would dig up those pine stumps and they would bring them home and they would chop off those little pieces of stump. And what that would do is make like a kindling. And, and that pine rods and it dried in there and it would make it super flammable. And so starting a fire would be easy. And he said one day, you know, when he was little, he was at home doing that, you know, he found this pine stump and, and he was going around digging around it, chopping around it and trying to get it up. And he, he said he couldn't get it out of the ground. He said he would chop, 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 dig, 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 and still not able to get out of the ground. He said he worked all day. He was so frustrated. He finally just got mad at it, you know. He said, I threw the axe down, and I was just mad. And he said, about that time, his dad come home from work. And his dad come where he was, and he said, I got my shovel again. I started digging. I started chopping. And his dad said, son, are you you're about to get that out of the ground? He said, dad, I can't get it out. He said, I've tried everything. I can't get the stump out of the ground. He said, this dumb stump. You know, he said, I, at that moment, his dad said, well, son, I don't think that uh, you've used all your strength yet. And he said, he got in, he just got mad, got his axe, and he just started chopping more, chopping more. And he, he said, and he pulled on it, and he just had a fit. He said, see, dad, I told you it won't move. He said, by that time, he had tears coming down his face. He was angry and mad. He was mad at the stump, mad at his dad. His dad's son said, son, you still haven't used all your strength yet. He said, Dad, I have. I've tried everything. I've worked on this thing all day. He said, no, son. The reason you haven't used all your strength yet is because you have not asked me to help you. Your heavenly Father is saying to you and to me, you haven't used all your strength yet. 
You see, you're still right, working and chopping, working and chopping, working and chopping, working and chopping, and doing and whispering up these little now lay me down to sleep prayers, but you don't mean them. He said, if you would just stop and you would just ask me, you just ask me. Now help you look at the Bible says. I love this passage. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this. Would you read those first three words out loud with me? Let's read. God has said. Now let me just stop right there. Look at me just a second. Do you, do, you see, do you see Jeff in there anywhere? Does it say Jeff said? Because Jeff can't help you. Jeff can pray for you. Jeff can encourage you. And listen, I pray for you every day, every day. I, I, I prayed for you last night. I was on my knees for you this morning, praying that God would take your life up, make you better. Jeff cannot solve your problems. And so that's why my name's not in the Bible. And I want you to know that's why your name's not there. But it says, God has said, God has said, look what God has said. Never will I leave you, and never will I what? That's the presence of God. Now watch, watch the power of God. So we say... As people with no confidence. Is that what it says? No, what does it say? Let's read it. You ready? So we say with? What do we say? Let's read it. You ready? Come on. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. That's it. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Now what I want you to do right now is, is I want you to stop. There's an envelope inside of your program. It looks just like this. I want you to take that envelope out, and I want you to just go ahead, and I want you to write your address on this envelope right here like this is coming to you would you do that we just write on your envelope that this is coming to you and I just want you to hold on to it because we're going to do something like that just in a few moments now while they're doing that there's some of you sitting in this room that the, the first thing that you need to ask God to do in order that he can help you with your fear and anxiety and that you can say your fear fight songs you need to receive Christ in your life and I just want to I challenge you today. Listen, the only way that you're going to have the presence of God and the power of God is you've got to ask Him to come in your life. And that's the prayer to become a Christ follower. And it's inside of your program. It's this prayer in here. And you can read it and say, God, that's me. I, and you mean that in your heart. Then He's going to hear you. He's going to save you. He's going to come into your life. The only thing we ask you to do is that you check it on the back of this card right here. Check that box that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Now this, this morning, what I want to tell you is this, is that we have to believe and we have to ask God for His power. Remember, you remember our fight song? You remember what it is? You ready? Come on, let's say it again. You ready? I will not live in fear because the Lord is near. Come on, one more time. You ready? I will not live in fear because the Lord is near. So when you accept His presence, then you get His power. You can get His power. Now the thing that was, that, that's, amazing to me about the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is this. Is that here the disciples are. They got those five pieces of bread and they got two fish. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't dismiss the crowd. He has his plan. And I just want to tell you, God has his own plan. He, your plan is your plan, but God's plan is his plan. Amen? And so look what Jesus began to say. So that takes us to number four. And I would just go ahead and give you this fill-in. It says this. Number four says, make your faith move in Jesus' name. Make your faith move in Jesus' name. Look at the verse, Matthew 14 and 19. It says, And he, talking about Jesus, he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Notice, so Jesus said the blessing. You know, 
He says, God is great, God is good, thank him for our food. Good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. <laughs> I know you, what are you talking about? Why are you looking at me like that? You've said some prayers like that too, haven't you? So he said the blessing, and look what happened, look what's underlined here. Then he gave them to his disciples, and his disciples, what did they do with them? They gave them to the people. Notice that, they gave them to the people. Now, Jesus broke the bread. He said, okay, boys, here's the plan. I'm, he said the blessing, and then he broke the bread, and then he gave it to the people. He gave it to the disciples and said, I want you to give it to the people. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. The miracle did not happen until it touched the disciples' hands. The miracle was in the disciples' hands. It was not in Jesus' hands. Jesus prayed for it. He broke the bread. He broke a piece of bread, and he gave it to the 12 people and said, now, y'all give it to them. Now, now, can you imagine what they were thinking? They were still thinking, well, listen, you know, they thought about the presence. They forgot about the power. They were thinking, hey, I got a piece of bread, and I got a piece of fish. All right, and I got, I got 5,000 people. Well, I'm going to give this to two people right here, and it's over, Jesus. And a riot's going to start because there's no way that we can feed them. But what they had to make a decision to do is no matter how fearful they were or how anxious they were, they had to make a decision that they had to make a move. And their move had to be what Jesus said to do. They had to make a faith move. So they decided that they would make a faith move and they would do what Jesus said to do. And so they begin to take their bread and they would take it and they would give this person a piece. And as they reached back for it, guess what? It looked like it never had been pinched off. The, the, the piece of fish, they, they, they would take it and they would take a piece of fish and they would give it to this person. And they'd go back and it would grow back. And it was like a miracle. And before you know it, guess what? They were out there feeding everybody. Like They were trying to get it, get it as, fast, as fast as they could give it out and it would grow back. Why? Because the power of God was with the presence of God and God can do what you cannot do if you will make your move. The miracle was with them. They had to make the move. What I'm trying to tell you today is this. Is that that fear battle that you have, until you make the move, you're never going to get better. God has already prayed. He's, and the, he's already sent the angels. They're ready to go. But you've got to make a move. You see, what, what does that look like, Pastor? Well, so let me tell you something. Some of you are in a relationship that's dragging you down that's no good. And you've got to make a move to get out of it. God cannot help you until you make your move. The bread is in your hands. Some of you sitting here today, you're trying to decide, you know, you want to go to college. You want to do something to better yourself. And you just got fear and anxiety all over you, and you're just scared to make a move, and you're paralyzed. And God is saying, it's in your hands. You've got to make a move. There's some of you sitting here today. You know what? You've, you've been in a relationship for a while, and, and you know what? It's time to get married. It's time to, it's time, it's time to quit playing games and say, listen, you've got to make a move. There's some of you today that you've been thinking about maybe adopting a child, and you've been thinking about all the fears. What I'm telling you, it's time to make a move. It's your move. There's some of you who've been thinking about inviting a friend to church so that they can hear the gospel message of Jesus. But fear has overwhelmed you, and you're scared to death, and you've prayed about it. Man, God's saying, it's your move. It's time for you to make a move. And there's some of you sitting in this room today, you want God's blessings over your finances so bad. And so, you've thought about becoming a tither. You've thought about giving God back His first and tithing. But you've been afraid to. You say, oh, what if this happens? Well, I'm telling you, it's your move. It's time to make a move. 
God cannot do the miracle until you make the move. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.